The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 10th chapter. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him. He said, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and they will deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they came up to him and they said to Jesus, Teacher, we want you to do, this is together, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Jesus said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Right, one at your left, in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? To be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? They said to him, Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant. It is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. Jesus called them all to him. He said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be slaves of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. This is the Gospel of our Lord. So in thinking about today's message related to the Gospel lesson, I was just remembering how many times Jesus uses stories and analogies to connect people from their world events and things happening in daily life to heaven truth and kingdom truths. He tries to bridge that gap between what he knows as an almighty God there at the beginning of the universe to simple folks like us who just walk and live amongst the world like we do. And he used some analogies and stories for his day. And if he was here today, he'd use things relevant to our day. So they use stories and analogies, but sometimes they also use examples and like life movements to teach, particularly the Gospel book of Mark. Mark's movements matter. They communicate things. If you pay attention to where he goes, it has a part of the lesson that's important. And when they go from one place to another quickly or in the night, it matters. The location and movements matter. So help communicate some of today's lesson. I need some help from some folks that would... Um, Pardon the beginning of the lesson. Don't worry, after you do any speaking parts, it'll be a simple thing. You're always willing and smiling. Would you go up to the front? Would you go up to the front? Mr. LaPrade, will you go up front? Will you go up to the front? One, two, three, four. Let's get one more lady. Any eye contact on folks? 
See, this is like a teacher in class. This is kind of fun. I get extreme miss eye contact over here with Miss Jones. You're going out of the way to look. You're out the window almost. Come on up. Don't worry. You don't have to talk. It's really kind of simple. It's actually kind of fun. Just so you're not missing out, Miss Gibson, will you come on up too? We'll have six. All right. So here's the request. It's a really simple request. Really simple request. And they're all going to be happy that they're not up here. So you can just go ahead and give the applause, guys. Thank you. All right. So here's your request. Will you just make a circle? <laughs> all right. So there's your circle. All right. Now, um, how about this? Can you, form, can you hold your hands while you make your circle? All right. Can you form another kind of circle? Open any question. I'm not going to say anything else. All right, can you make another kind of circle? All right, over your head. Is there any other way that you guys can make a circle? All right, you can change, you can move. All right, so they rotated. Any help from them? Any advice for them? If you're from the, see, you guys are not in the hot seat, so you might have more clear thoughts to them. Oh, they bound arms. So they got close. Any other ways that they can form a circle? Keep saying anything. What else? Guys, help them out. Anybody else they can make a circle? Okay. Anything else? What's that? You can put your arms around each other. Hey, all right. Here's something. How about everybody stand with your right shoulder towards the middle of your circle and your left shoulder out? Right shoulder to the middle, left shoulder out. You got to know your... You got your left foot in. You got your left foot out. There you go. There you are, the left... <laughs> You know what they call this, for whatever it's worth? Actually, um, put, your, put your left hand on top of the left shoulder of the person in front of you. Left hand on the left shoulder person in front of you. Now I'll take three steps forward in the circle. See, that's a moving circle. Really, there's games, there's different things you can do. So there's some circles. So that's a moving circle. Is there another way of making a circle? Any other ideas for them? What's that? You could go the other way. How about this? Okay, go join hands again. Okay, you get a sense of where you're at and you look where you're at, right? How about this? Let go of the hands and then turn, face out, and grab hands. Interesting. Now that you're standing out, when you were having the circle the first way you started, what did you see? Answer. You saw each other, right? You saw the person across from you. You saw faces. Okay, now that you're facing with your backs to each other, what's your reference? It's out. Some of you get to see a cross. Some of you get to see altars. Some get to see flowers. Some get to see out the window. Some looking at me. Some are looking at the folks out here, right? Um, your point of reference changed, right? What you were focusing on changed. Let's just face again, face the middle like you started off. Hold hands and face the middle. That's a different experience than the other, right? All right, let's go back to your church. Thank you for doing that. Hey! Part of that's the lesson. Part of that's the lesson. Making a looking out circle rather than making a looking in circle. And why is that such a strange, radical idea for us? Some of the folks up here, a lot of the folks up here, in school, 
highly educated, intelligent, experienced people. There's a lot of years and things have been seen in this. Why is it that the very first circle that they made was inward focused? If you think about it, my, think, my thought would be is that from the time you're little children, I've seen this in, in teachers, particularly teachers of young kids, when children are taught to make circles, they're taught to get here and then face to the other people on the other side of the circle, to face in. They're taught that from childhood. And sometimes they teach so that boys and girls will actually hold hands and not be terrified of the opposite sex, something they wish they would continue all the way through college, but something happens. But when they're kids, they'll hold hands and they'll break barriers right? Wow, this is actually just a person in a hand. And they're really not all that different to me. Maybe warmer or colder, but they're just people. But it connects you to each other and you focus in. You're also taught to focus people in the circle, the other ones. You're introduced sometimes in these circles. A lot of times when you're given school and you make circles, you're given a task, right? You get around a table and you all kind of face each other and you got the project in front of you and you work together to make that task happen. You work in circles. You work in small groups, In order to communicate well in small groups, you kind of huddle around in such ways you can see each other's eyes and and listen while you make circles. But there's more to this circle. As people, we naturally move in our lives to establish circles of friendships. Some people have been wounded in this world by other people. And so since they've been wounded deeply, they tend to have smaller friends and they live more private lives because you don't you don't make yourself vulnerable to get wounded again sometimes your grade school experiences are ugly enough that instead of risking having a lot of friends because you got more numbers of people to hurt you you just say i'm going to i'm going to have a selective group or one or two or three maybe four friends because then i got a smaller chance to get hurt so you might have a small group of friends but you'll establish some size of a group some people get so wounded in the world they only just have their family that's all they have. They'll just make it husband, wife, children, and maybe extended families on forced, on forced vacations. Right? So let's think about there's truth to this. How do we behave as people? Wounded things in this world, the sin of the world impacts us in how we establish our circles. But some folks are big and gregorious, and they're easily healed, and they can have large circles of friends. But each one of these groups typically focuses inwards. When you come on Sunday mornings and you see people standing face to face, put arms out, that'd make a circle. Groups of three or four huddled together facing each other. Their backs are turned to everybody else. They're only focused on the one in front of them. Our human tendency is to form and maintain and preserve an inward focus. It's part of our tendencies as humans. But according to Jesus, that inward focus tendency is only half of what true life and kingdom of heaven living is about. Only half. According to Jesus, the life emphasis of only living into that half world is related directly in the scriptures to spiritual blindness. I'm going to point that out next. So in this book of Mark, this gospel book of Mark, um, just like in other seasons that we've had, we have bookends. Remember when we were talking about the season of Epiphany a few months ago? The season of Epiphany has bookends. 
hard covers to start. The first part is a, is a white themed Sunday, and it's the baptism of our Lord. That's how it starts. The revelation, the epiphany of Jesus at his baptism. And then we go to a series of other ways that Jesus is revealed as being the Son of Man and the Son of God. And it goes through that. And at the very end of this bookend, before we start the season of Lent, we have the last, the, the, the bookend at the end. So we the bookend beginning and end. The last one, though, is the transfiguration. Again, revealing perfectly fully who Jesus is, Son of God. The brilliancy of God within Him bursts through His flesh, and, and the disciples there see it. So in the beginning of baptism, in the end of His transfiguration, the same words, this is my Son, my beloved, and God's there, Trinity, bookends. And in the middle we have that. Well, in Mark's Gospel, there's a bookend related to what we heard today. The bookends have to do, as you say, we'll start in chapter 8, and they have to do with the passion of Jesus. As we get closer to Jesus, we realize that in the Gospel book of Mark, that Jesus is going to tell us three times in advance what's going to happen. Jesus says, I am going to go to Jerusalem, and there I am going to be betrayed by one of you, implied. One of the closest ones is going to betray him. And after you betray me and they arrest me, they're going to abuse my body. They're going to slap me, spit on me, mock me, ridicule me, publicly shame me. They're going to beat me and flog me. And then after that, I'll be crucified and I will die. And on the third day, I'll rise. He says that three times. That's kind of a bookend, if you will. But before that, really, there's the bookend. Before he announces... What's going to happen in Jerusalem? There's a miracle. And that miracle has to do with blindness. Blindness. There's a hint that for all of us, how is blindness going to be associated with being a disciple and being outward focused? Some kinds of human blindness, and this can be emphasized in this lesson, some kind of human blindness, some kinds of blindness are linked to spiritual blindness as well. In Mark's gospel, every healing is not just about the physical healing, but it's about spiritual component as well. And in this book, into Mark's predictions with these blindness miracles, the first one is going to be particularly difficult. This blindness on humanity is going to take not just one word of Jesus to be healed, but two words. There's a nameless, faceless man who's blind. And by doing that, it's all of us. By not putting a name to it and a face to it, just a man, it's actually any of us. And in some ways, it's all of us. And Jesus, this man, he finds Jesus, or he, Jesus finds him, and he says, receive your sight. Well, he only receives a little bit of his sight. On a second word only, receive your sight, be healed, is he healed? Most of the time, we just take Jesus one word, get up and walk. Whoop, they're running, they're spreading around, Right? Go wash and lose your leprosy. And on their way, they're being healed. But on this blindness that starts this bookend, the first bookend, he had to say, be healed twice. For us, that matters. Because what happens after that is going to tell us that what we're about to face and what we confront as people is going to take a lot of work with Jesus to bring healing to us. Okay, so after this blindness, he makes the announcement, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to die there. And on the third day, I'm going to rise. So healing took two efforts, nameless, faceless, everybody included. He says what's going to happen. The very first response from the premier person of that group of 12, Peter, the first verse of Peter. Peter says, oh, no, 
Jesus can't do that. He's inward focus. Can you see this? He's thinking about Peter's needs, his wants, his agendas. No, Jesus, death like that, no way. Not in Jerusalem. It must never happen, Lord. Jesus, you know, is famous. Jesus, he tells him, get behind me, Satan. That's not something you want to hear Jesus say to you. Right? But that's what Peter's about. He's an inward-focused man with his own agendas, his own wants, his own needs, his own fears, and he's not outward-focused like Jesus. Get behind me, Satan. Peter's life focus is off. Jesus' life focus is the corrective. He will keep his eyes fixed on his Father, inward, and his eye outward-focused on saving and healing us all. It's both. Almost like that moving you can see the one in front of you, but you can see around you as well. All right, so in chapter 10, what we get to today. There's passion prediction number one. Blindness preceded that one. We have the third prediction, what we read today. His fate in Jerusalem. We heard it. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. Jesus, now, having revealed that his life work is all about pouring himself out. His mission is to come and die for us, to take this abuse in our place, if you will. He does all of this out so that every nation, every people, every language, everyone on the face of the earth can be included into his circle, into his embrace, right? That's his circle. There's no boundaries to it. As far as the east is to the west is the end of his circle. That's good for us because we're in his circle. Just as soon as he's done saying that, two disciples... Now, not Peter. He had his chance. The other two, they speak up. Now, again, in inner circles, so you have the circle of 12 apostles. Within that 12, especially chosen people that have spent three years of their lives following Jesus, witnessing everything he did, listening to everything he said, and learning and growing to be disciples for their Lord later on. Of that 12, there was an inner circle of three, Peter, James, and John. Peter already had his chance to speak after Jesus made his first prediction. After the first healing of the blind person, Jesus announces what's going to happen in Jerusalem. Peter responds, say, no, you can't. And Jesus says, get behind me. That's Peter. Now, at the end of another extended period of time in Mark's gospel, we've gone through some lessons, another prediction. Now, after the third prediction, what is the response? The other two get their chance of this circle. And they approach Jesus. One... We want to remember that they were not only in their circle, but just days ahead, days before, they were on the top of the mountain in his transfiguration. Talk about being in an inner circle. They saw Moses with their eyes. They saw Elijah with their eyes. They saw Jesus glowing, his God glow, because the radiance of him was unveiled. And they heard the voice of God. They were on that mountain just a few days before. These two, they say this, grant us, to sit one at your right hand and one at your left when you come in your kingdom and glory. Their circle just got small. Just two brothers, locked hands, made their circle. And by doing that, focusing on their wants, their needs, their agendas, their goals, their aspirations, they just excluded the other ten. Pushed them all out. What about their friends? Oh, amazing what greed does to you. They are blind. They are blind with their inward turned life emphasis. Can you see it? 
Jesus teaches. He's exposing their blindness. He's exposing their inward focus, small circle, greed, blindness, and he offers a cure. He actually offers them the truth that he is all about. His response to their behavior, a saying, Lord, have us be at your right hand and your left hand. Of all the people in the face of the Lord, Lord, let us be the ones that are in power and glory with you, right? This is his response. Whoever wants to be great must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. Even the Son of Man did not come to serve or to be served, but to serve. That's what Jesus came for. He didn't come for us to worship Him on earth. We didn't see that. He came, He washed feet. He spent His time among the people that no one else wanted to spend time with, as well as the popular ones. He spent His time with everybody. He says, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give His life. Give, that's all you have is your life. To give his life is a ransom for many. The two make a small circle, inward focus. They want to be the premier of all the kingdoms of all times. And Jesus says, if you want to be premier, be the slave. You get a contrast of agenda, right? You start to experience the contrast of agendas between theirs and his. The best of men and the Son of God are being contrasted. Peter, James, and John, they're like world champions, if you will. World champions. They're the best of the best. They're the most enlightened, most exposed to Jesus' way, truth, and life. And these two disciples, they're completely exposing that they're blind and inward focused. They're self-serving, self-preserving, worldly focused men. And they're the champions. Jesus, the Son of God, shows He's outward focused. He is God and He's serving everyone. He's the Son of God and He's loving and He's sacrificing for everyone. Jesus is heavenly focused and with that focus, He's looking to serve and save this world. Now we get to Mark 10. The end cap. It's going to have to do with blind healing. When Jesus is done teaching, He's done with His three predictions and He's done with His interactions with these champions of all disciples. There's blind Bartimaeus. It changes. Now we have a person with a name who will be remembered. Not just all of us, but now it gets specific. It goes from all of us included with this one blind man, now it gets specific. Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus gives us an example of all humanity's response to the exposure of our being inward focused. Bartimaeus cries out. See, he knows that Jesus is going to pass by. He's in this town and he's heard the rumblings of the community. He knows what's going to happen. And he knows that sometime in the next few minutes, Jesus, this man is going to be walking by and he gets to a place where he can be, he can be heard. And he keeps crying out. He cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He screams it. He will not be walked by without being noticed. You might not see him, but you will hear him. The opposite of his curse, right? He couldn't see but he could hear. He knows they can't see, but maybe they can hear too, so he's going to be heard. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he answers, Jesus answers, he says, Bartimaeus, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. 
That's the end cap. First blind healing, second blind healing. Three predictions in the middle and all the responses of the foolishness of the disciples revealed. Second end cap. This end cap is about prayer and hope. And it's, a, it's actually for us, Bartimaeus' response is like the prayer answered of all of heaven. That's what heaven wants from us. Heaven wants us to hear about this Jesus. That we'll have a recognition of ourselves being blind to our own inward turn agendas, our wants, our needs, our getting the first piece of cake, the last piece of this, the best steak, the best car, the first person in line, the one who never gets caught speeding, whatever it is, we want our agendas, our stuff ahead of everybody else. Oh, we don't talk about it because we're smooth. The truth is we are all that. And all of heaven recognizes that. And the gift for us is to confess it and be like Bartimaeus. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Heal my condition. Cry out the same words, church, that Bartimaeus cried out. Lord Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Don't have to hide it from each other because I know you, you know me. We are the same. We're in that circle. I get it. And then, having been confessed, having confessed our need for that, then receive a blessing. We can experience the Son of God's love because He knows you. He knows me. And He still loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. He loves you. Yes, He knows your inward turn. And yes, He knows you're about your circles. And yes, you know, even in the church there makes circles where you know about your friends and you don't even recognize that they're strangers that you never met going in and out and they're looking forward to joining your circle, but your backs are turned. He sees that. He sees our fight to get the first parking spots rather than giving them away to the guests and visitors. Are making sure we get to the dessert line first so we can get our first pick? He sees it. And today when you're called out, you have a chance, Lord, have mercy on me. Include me in your circle and teach me to see. And with gratitude and enthusiasm... Maybe we can receive his blessing of being healed. Heal my blindness. Heal my blindness. Make me to see as you see. Maybe, Lord, then he will bless us. That we will love because we recognize that he loves us. That's a heck of a start. Once you know you're loved, you can love. Only thing hurt people can do is give hurt. That's the ugliness of the world. Hurt people hurt. However, healed people, Christian people who know you're loved, you can absolutely love. So love people loved. Then we can serve. We can recognize how Jesus first served us and we can serve. We can recognize how Jesus gave everything for us. He didn't care about a house. He never owned a house. He didn't really care about clothes and all the stuff that we, we are enslaved to. He didn't own any of that. He gave it all, even on the cross. So church, give like Jesus. We don't have to have stewardship Sundays. It's a way of life. We give because He first gave us. And we will forgive like He forgives. And we will invite and we will adopt. We will mentor and we will cherish each other just the same as He cherishes us. We can do those things because He has healed our blindness. And every time we recognize our blindness, once again, we say, Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Heal my blindness and then get back after the good. We'll never arrive, but we fight for it. On this Sunday, healed.
church let's be healed that we will see our Lord with an inward focus and we will see all the people around us that the Lord wants to be loved and served because we have an outward focus as well and that's our prayer we'll end with it Jesus son of God have mercy on the people of Emmanuel Lutheran Church and all the guests within it Continue to make us your church. Heal our blindness and make us your church. Lord, never quit and never let us quit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.